Yo, 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 what is going on, you guys? It's your favorite video game podcast here, the Sticky Buttons Podcast. It's your host, Brandon. And this is Blake. And we're coming at you with an amazing episode today. I'm super stoked about it. Uh, I guess right off the bat, you know, Brandon's going to be bringing Diablo to the show, and I'm going to be talking about Cyberpunk 2077. But before we get into that, I do have some quick housekeeping. So first off, I want to shout out to the Indie Nook, which is the second show that I started. Go listen to that. I just put an episode out and it's about the Annapurna Interactive Showcase. So go check that one out. I had a great time kind of just like recording that and just kind of talking about the games that I thought looked interesting. So if you want some new games to be on your watch list, on your radar, go check that out. And that's the Indie Nook, I-N-D-I space Nook. And also just a little bit of housekeeping. We do flag this show as explicit so that we can curse and it, it doesn't matter. But at least in my, the game that I'm bringing to the table, it is going to have some explicit themes. So just a heads up on that. Awesome. I don't know. Is Diablo, is that, is that explicit, Brandon? Bringing some mature content today? It definitely is rather explicit. I'm not sure how the game is rated. It's probably rated M for mature. But just from the story, it's rather explicit. And the characters. <laughs> Yeah. So I guess just a heads up. I mean, I personally, the way that I feel about it is I don't really feel like cursing is explicit, but like sometimes there are shows that like they don't curse and then they talk about like really explicit topics. And to me, I just think that's weird. I feel like the actual discussion and like the explicit topics are more important than like cursing, but I don't know. We've never really talked about this on the show before. I just, just wanted to give you a heads up if you're listening no, in the sure. car with other people, this is going to be a explicit episode 18 plus this is the only fans episode of the sticky buttons podcast here on episode 78 i guess another housekeeping you know we were recording this maybe a week a week and a half after we expected to so just shout outs to all of you guys for the patience as you were tuning in we apologize we just were, were rather busy but i feel great to be back on the mic, super excited to talk about Diablo 4 and learn about Cyberpunk. And I guess I'll segue right into that, dude. I remember when Cyberpunk first came out, there was a huge controversy because, and correct me if I'm wrong, they had to take the game back. Like they had to rescind the release of this title. Yeah, so this, obviously, man, I mean, this game kind of took the whole internet by storm originally. And it came out and it came out during the time when there was kind of like a cross release between, I guess, like three different platforms. And it kind of came out like PlayStation 4, Xbox One, you know, PlayStation 5, Xbox Series S, as well as high end PCs. Or I guess it was just released on PC and if you had a high end build, I guess so the high end builds of the game that were running on like PlayStation 5 and I guess more expensive high end PCs. Those games were running very well, but the Xbox One and the PlayStation 4 versions were, were not really performing at all. It was a very buggy launch. I mean, obviously, it was pretty infamous if if you were uh, paying attention to games at the time. Yeah. And for me, I think it was very interesting because at the time, PlayStation ended up delisting it from their stores. And they actually, like, they said, you can't sell this anymore. And I think that's one of the first times I've ever heard of that. I mean, I think that's crazy that the platform holder was like, hey, 
this actually just doesn't work and you can't sell it. <laughs> yeah, it's a, definitely a first for me and my experience with gaming, my short experience with gaming. <laughs> yeah, and you know, it's actually, it's really interesting because I've kind of been following along a little bit on this, like since release. And it kind of seems that the way people talk about, I guess it seems like this release really started the conversation that, hey, you know, it actually takes a, a lot of work to put a video game out on different generations, let alone different platforms. And, you know, a lot of this conversation has really come up recently as well with, I guess, just in the moment that we're in right now, there is like the FTC, you know, sued to block Microsoft acquisition of Activision King Blizzard. And in the court case, there was a document that was released and they talk about like how much it actually takes to put or to like QA test for another platform. So I guess this is my very limited understanding of it is that they test for a certain platform. Like let's say like it's an Xbox game. They're testing it on Xbox One. But if they're putting it to Xbox and PlayStation, they basically have the same amount of work and they have a finite I guess like list of team members. So they have to split that team into two teams. So it really, I guess what it equates to is if you only put it out on a limited platform. So like if let's say you have five platforms, you know, for Cyberpunk, that's Xbox One, PlayStation 4, Xbox Series X, PlayStation 5, and PC, that's five platforms. So if you have a team of 100 people that are looking for bugs, you know, that's going to be 20 people per team instead of 100 people if it was only coming out on one. So I think that's kind of just the general conversation of that, which I thought was really interesting. Since this happened, so much has come out about what it takes. Yeah. No, yeah, it's it's super fascinating to, you know, you think about what a video game is and it's this very kind of curated experience put together by these really smart people. And, you know, they probably imagined it for Cyberpunk at least on the 4K display you know I'm, I'm running on some of the best processors and i think it's clear with like the design and just the initial release that they weren't prepared for the actual like development timeline like you shared with us about like the five different platforms i can only imagine like having me personally having designed like a passion something a game i'm really passionate about really working on it in one avenue and then now being told that i have to like translate it to these other platforms just sounds very tedious and, and rather expensive. So yeah, yeah. Shout out to that team for putting that out still and just adapting. You know, I, I can only imagine there's a lot of adapting that has to go on in a process like this, right? Like you put the game out and it's super buggy and now you have to like take it back and then re-release it. And then the timelines are like super short and that's kind of the industry in general. The timelines are always like really, really short within gaming, it seems like. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I guess I do want to touch on that. You know, you bring up a great point. They obviously, it turned from a disaster to a success story. And at this point, when I played it, I had a bug-free experience. That I think I may have encountered one bug that we'll get to later, but oh, I, it may not have been a bug and it's kind of rather funny. So we'll get to that. <laughs> you know, other than that, that one small thing, like it was a very bug-free experience and they obviously were able to adapt and they've been putting out patches and updates since release and the teams at least in my eyes you know they kind of made good on the promise of what the game was meant to be and you know the experience that I had was I mean it was beautiful I mean quite frankly I mean I really enjoyed going around the world but before we get into that 
I do kind of want to just say, did you know anything about the IP of Cyberpunk? Have you heard anything about it other than like the marketing of this game? When you say IP, you're referring to what exactly? The Cyberpunk colon 2077. Does that mean anything to you? No, that doesn't mean anything to me. Enlighten me. I guess this is actually like an established franchise, an established IP, and it started off as a tabletop role-playing game. Let me pull up, see when the first one was. So originally, the cyberpunk role-playing game was a board game, and it came out in 1988. And I just think that that's like really cool that this kind of started as as something akin to D&D, you know, obviously being a tabletop role-playing game. And actually... You know, it's funny. It actually started off as, <laughs> this is actually funny. I didn't know this until I was reading it just now. It started off as Cyberpunk 2020. Oh, wow. That's interesting. <laughs> and obviously now we're here in, in 2023 talking about Cyberpunk 2077. So, I mean, obviously it does have a bit of a history. And I think that one of the main characters who goes by the name of Johnny Silverhand, I think that he is in this cyberpunk role-playing game. I think he's one of the characters, which is interesting. I think it's really cool. But I guess outside of that, there's also something that's been released since the game came out. And what originally made me interested in it was the anime. And they Netflix produced a cyberpunk 2077 anime kind of based on the world that was created in this video game. And obviously, it takes a long time for anime to be produced. This was already in production when the game was in production prior to release. And it came out last year. And I'm not a big fan of Netflix. I don't really watch much TV. But I decided to check it out because I had heard that if you don't get into cyberpunk unless you like the anime. And if you like the anime, it does a lot of... It does like all the world building for you so that you have a better experience jumping into the game. And I actually do recommend that. I do recommend just checking out the Netflix show. It's like 10 episodes. You'll get introduced to all of the concepts, all the proper nouns. And, you know, you'll get introduced to Night City, which is a cyberpunk version of New York. And I actually really liked the anime. I thought it was really sick, but it made me want to check out the game. So (laughs) I booted up the game. And I mean, have you seen the anime, Brandon? I haven't seen the anime yet, but that sounds really dope. And that's really cool marketing that they went ahead and teamed up with Netflix to put out a whole show to pair the story. That's dope. Yeah, I guess it should be noted, in case you didn't know, this game is produced and published by CD Projekt Red, which we actually talked about in our episode where we talked about Jason Trier's book. Great book, um, by the way. That's yeah. <laughs> uh, when we're talking about like development timelines, and so that all comes from Jason Trier in that book, and just that perspective, you know, it wasn't something that I was thinking about at all prior to reading it, or, or listening to it, rather. Yeah, and you know, when Brandon and I, we started this project, we loved video games and we didn't really know too much about how they were made. So we went out and read this book. It's called Blood, Blood Sweat, Sweat and Pixels. And, Pixels. Yep. and we do have an episode of that on our back um, catalog if you'd like to check that out. Anyways, so <laughs> I kind of lost my train of thought there. Yeah, so if you didn't know CD Projekt Red, they're a very large publisher and development studio. They're actually publicly traded and they're a very large company. So they do have massive amounts of marketing budget or and budgets that they can I guess attribute not only to development of games of this scale and scope, but also, you know, to the marketing and, you know, they also have like Keanu Reeves, like he's one of the characters in this game. And, you know, wow. to be able to have like 
A-list talent. Like it, it really does take a lot of money. And I think that, you know, actually I'm glad that we kind of brought that up because you can't talk about the actual game without the marketing. And like, if you haven't seen the trailers, I mean, the trailers just look absolutely freaking epic. Thank and you. they're some of the best video game, tra- I mean, it's one of the best video game trailers I- I've ever seen. Yeah, it was one, one of the best video game trailers I have ever seen, but it was also two very hard to miss. Like, it was yeah. on YouTube, it was on TV, it was pretty much like everywhere I saw Bill And if Lawrence. you were in New York, they were like, had Cyberpunk 2077 on the yellow cabs. Yeah, like the marketing it mix was, everywhere. was very, like the, there was a lot of variety, it was, you could tell CD Projekt Red had a lot of money, had put a lot of money into the marketing of this title. And, um, you know, now that you mentioned that this was like a tabletop kind of RPG, similar to D&D, I can imagine it's probably a passion project for a lot of people to see this game come out and just kind of keep that story going for the next generation. So I'm excited to hear more. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I guess also, I guess we should touch on the genre. I mean, cyberpunk as a genre has really exploded in popularity over the last couple of years as... You know, I mean, we admittedly have had some very real and big world challenges, you know, over the past couple of years. And as technology just keeps pushing forward and forward, I mean, things that were fiction in 1988 when this original tabletop game came out, like they're a reality now that we have to face, and you know, in our time. I mean, we have to face the fact that, you know, our, we're facing like rapid, you know, global warming and, you know, our I guess the ecology of our planet is being drastically altered. You know, AI is not a thing of fiction anymore, regardless of where you stand on it. Like, it exists. It's growing, you know, and it's growing to, faster than Moore's law. Yeah. There's got to be yeah. a new law to, like, model how quickly AI is growing. Yeah, it's, it's growing exponentially, and, you know, we just survived. I mean, if we're here, we survived, you know, the COVID-19 pandemic, which it really does kind of feel like a lot of the themes that you know, are tackled in, in science fiction and, you know, cyberpunk are, are really present. And, you know, all science fiction is a reflection of the present time. And that's just why it's so popular now. And so I guess like it had everything going for it, you know, from the marketing to the genre to like, it actually just looked like sick as fuck from every aspect of it and from every angle. And like, it had just become like so overhyped. And then obviously it came out and it was a bit of a crash. But now, I mean, I think it's just as popular as ever. Like, I still hear people talking about it. They're doing a big paid expansion. It'll come up on my YouTube. Like, people are just, like, speculating about the DLC. And people really like it. As I've said, you know, I had a pretty bug-free experience and it ran great. So, at this point, you know, it is playable. And it kind of, you know, sets out to that original vision. But I guess this is kind of where I'm, I guess, kind of coming at it as... I had been under the impression that this was going to be like a big open world. And I guess just kind of right off the bat, I don't really think it was that much of an open world. Like it was very linear for me personally. It was just like, go to this mission. All right. I guess you could do these side missions. But for me personally, I just like, I didn't think the side missions were interesting. Personally, I really didn't care at all. And just like, I feel like the open world, it just didn't hit. Before I get into that, I kind of just want to walk through like how the game started. When you begin this game, you know, you can pick, I guess, like you can pick three starting routes. You can pick like a street rat, like a nomad and like a corpo route. And I I was kind of interested in like the corporation route 
So I picked the corpo route, right? And you start off, actually, I won't spoil it because it's actually kind of interesting, but basically I started off on the corpo route. Basically, I got kicked out of my corporation. <laughs> they took all my money, they took all my augments, and I was like, fucked. And then I had to start my life of crime. But I will say, actually, they have a very robust like character creator. And to dive into the explicit nature of it, you can totally pick your, like how your body looks, every aspect of it, you know, from genitalia to eye color. And I think they, like, if you're going to play as a guy, they give you like a small dong, a medium dong, and a big dong. And I, of course, played as a girl. So, (laughs) Um, but I did pick the biggest boobs you could get. (laughs) (laughs) and i I thought it was funny i mean if you play as like a female i guess presenting character you can also put a dong on her too okay it's interesting i mean you can do anything and everything and that's kind of you know one of the appeals of the cyberpunk genre is you have full autonomy of your body and that really is not science fiction you know i mean that happens today so yeah we're we're seeing that like the transformation of that and that's exactly what i thought about immediately when you said like the freedom of your body 2077 it's very possible that that's a reality for humanity it's like you don't like what you you know what you are you can change that and probably pretty easily too mm-hmm. yeah so i guess that's you know how you start off i mean i gave myself like a bunch of tattoos i had like a cool hairstyle like i kind of did the whole thing and then you know obviously like i said i went down this corpo route got kicked out of the corporation and you kind of get launched into this story. And like I said, it's bug-free experience. You know, I'm in Night City, which is New York in the future. You know, you get a car and I guess just right off the bat, like immediately my comparison point is GTA. It feels like a GTA in the future. The problem is I really don't feel like it lives up to that open world. I never felt I could go out and explore. Like I always felt like I need to do the next mission. Like I need to just see what the next thing is. And I really stuck to the linear path. And I knew that there was like, all right, I could go do something else, but I just had no interest in doing that. I really didn't feel like I could explore the city. I will say the one thing that I did do is I I really liked the car and I kind of liked flipping through like the radio stations. So when I was in between missions, I would just like drive around the city But then I'm like, I'm just driving around the city and it's like, it's a beautiful city. Like, it is really awesome. I'm like, there's nothing to do. I was like, I can't like just go into somebody's house. Like, I can't like take this exit and like go to a shop. There's nothing on the mini map. There's nothing for me to do really. So I, I guess just like going into this, if you were expecting an open world, like I would kind of wash that expectation. I found this game to be incredibly linear, which I didn't mind. But it also, like, it really was just not what I was expecting. Do you have any thoughts on that? Tears of the Kingdom spoiled you, dude. You just, like, <laughs> you claim to be open world, but you're not even scratching the surface. You know, man, honestly, Jedi Survivor was more open world than Cyberpunk, which, oh, man, we haven't talked about that game yet, but yeah, I'm playing that. that. Love that. Yeah, I mean, it really does, because, I mean, that is built as an open area. And I just never felt like I could go and explore the city. So it really blows my mind how much this is like, just like a futuristic Grand Theft Auto. So if you're looking for something like that, absolutely check Cyberpunk out. But I just have like some other thoughts on it. I guess, let me say this, the combat is sick. Like you kind of, you you start out and you are kind of playing like 
this like RPG, right? Like there's skill trees. And like, I was kind of playing it as like a pistol wielding, sword wielding like hacker. And I would kind of like sneak up on people, hack the system and it would distract them. And then I'd come and like shoot them with pistols. And then once I needed to reload, I just swap to my sword and I just like sword down people. I was actually really loving that aspect of it. I thought the so combat was. You sound, yeah. you sound like a wet. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds really fun, though. A skill tree. It was really fun. And, like, you could do all kinds of skill trees. Like, if you wanted to build out your shotgun and if you wanted to be, like, a shotgun assault rifle class, you absolutely could do that. You don't have to put any skills into hacking or stealth. Like, you could be, like, a big hunk and you could just do, like, heavy machine gun, futuristic machine gun. Like you could do all kinds of things. You can upgrade your body. You can have it to where like a sword comes out of your like forearm. And it's just like really sick. Like there's just so many things that you can do in this. I just, for whatever reason, I just like it didn't really click with me. My favorite aspect of it was like the RPG element, the skill tree and the combat was just really fun. And the lore is just like incredibly deep. So I guess like just to give you just some context about like kind of the world that they're building here, there's really like three big corporations. There's the Arasawa Corporation. There's a couple others, but another big one is called the Militech Corporation. And I think that you might find this interesting, Brandon. It's actually the Militech Corporation is actually the U.S. government and they rebranded as the Militech Corporation. And there's a lot of players or a lot of like NPCs in the game that are like shit talking Militech. And they're like, oh, gotta show the office its respect. And they're kind of like mocking the, the democracy of the Militech corporation that used to be the government. And it's really interesting, you know, I mean, kind of like I said, sci-fi is a reflection of the present in many ways. And for me, like the cyberpunk aesthetic can be a really cool representation of you know what a lot of people want out of the future because you do have like that bodily autonomy and whatnot but it does explore what the world could look like you know if like tech and corporations are left unchecked but for me my favorite part about like the cyberpunk genre is how it kind of like has things to say about that i'm like what does it mean if like you could change any aspect of your body like, what does that mean for you what does that mean for society what does it mean if corporations are left unchecked what's going to happen to the world and that's something that the cyberpunk you know genre can talk about I can touch on yeah yeah in an artful way yeah in not only an artful way but like a thought-provoking way in a way that makes you feel like especially with video games it can make you feel a part of it right and for me man that is where this game just fails it just fails so spectacularly because it doesn't have anything interesting to say about that and it fucking revels in the worst parts of it which are just like, to me, it's just such a turnoff. Like, I, I wish I could like, just like, have you listen to the dialogue because I just like, don't like it. Instead of calling everybody like bro, they call Choom. Like, what's up Choom? And like, they have this whole world and dialogue and I just like, absolutely just couldn't stand it. Yeah. It just like, totally took it out for me. And instead of having anything interesting to say about what would happen if there were only three corporations that own the world? Like, it's like, isn't this fucking sick, dude? Three corporations own the world. And like, you can go get like your eyeball, like you can just get it replaced with an augment. Isn't this fucking sick? And like Night City is supposed to be New York City. And like 
everyone, I mean fucking everyone in this game is just like so happy to like take out these like huge amounts of debt to like change their body, have like no money, but then like live this like crazy life with, you know, like you're half machine. Fuck it. Like I'll do anything. Like I'll just go out and kill people. And it's just like this crazy prosthetic, like run and gun life. And to me, I just couldn't vibe with it. Like everybody's just so stoked to like die. They kind of say there's no such thing as a living legend. That's what they keep saying to you. They're like, live your life until it's like as hard as you can until you die. And to me, I just like could not get by this man. Like to me, I think this world fucking sucks that they created. This is like my nightmare. I don't want to live here. Like I don't even want to be in this world like long enough to even like play it as a video game. Like I think it sucks. And so I guess I'm really negative on this game, but I will say there was some, a really cool heist sequence and that was fun. <laughs> <laughs> so again, taken from GTA, it sounds like they just like copy and pasted GTA a little bit with that because that heist is all GTA, man. They're the ones who made that. They're the ones who made that whole thing cool. Um, yeah, it is very GTA. And I mean... I don't know. It kind of just seems like they just wanted to have to make like a futuristic GTA. And instead of saying the N word, they say Choom. I don't know. That's kind of like. It seems like the world building is not the best for what you were describing and the art. Like the artist should be able to capture that well. And I really like what you mentioned about like the deeper meanings, the themes. It seems like. This production company? A CD Projekt Red. They're really... I mean, the thing is, is like, they're a publicly traded company, which, right. I mean, it's not a bad thing. But, I mean, right. like, when you're going into the genre that is, you know, it kind of inherently cyberpunk. against... When you're going into the cyberpunk genre, yeah, right, it, you would think that's at the heart it's of... It's kind of inherently against it. Right, yeah, it's at the heart of that genre. But, I mean, it goes to show you they're a publicly traded company, so... It has to be all, like, capitalism gung-ho. Like, capitalism is <laughs> great. Yeah, there is a cynical part of me that like had that thought. That was like, damn, is this just like, (laughs) this is marketing for, you know. That's what money buys you, dude. That ideology. Even if you have like a totally wrong idea, if you have the resources, people will eat that shit up, dude. That's that's something I've learned at business school. And it sucks, but, you know, I'm really intrigued by cyberpunk and that story. And I'm curious to see kind of where other people lie on that. How, did they have the same kind of takeaway from it? You know, I don't know. I mean, one of the reasons that I jumped in is I, I just was hearing so much positive buzz about it. Yeah. And I, I had to jump in, but I... Maybe that was bought. <laughs> you can do that these days. You can, you can buy that. Yeah. I don't know. I guess I'll just sum it up really quick. You know, I mean, I thought Cyberpunk was a very striking and beautiful world. And, you know, I honestly really enjoyed the gameplay. But, you know, this version of the future that they created, I think it just sucks. And I don't even want to pretend to be in it. And for me, like when I look at it, this version of the dystopia that they created is just so twisted by greed and lust that I struggled to even see like any humanity in the characters that they had created. And, you know, even these characters that were being absolutely crushed by the most oppressive and corrupt system I could even imagine. Like, I just, there was no humanity in those characters for me. And this this is just like a nightmare. And I, I'm happy to walk away from this one. 
I do not recommend playing this game. Damn. But if you want to play, <laughs> if you want to play like a that's beautiful a future, a, I think it is actually. <laughs> that's, a, that's a first for Blake. I'm just letting you know. But if you really want to play a beautiful futuristic GTA game, this might be for you. And I guess I'll tell you about the bug before we move on. Yeah. So I guess I had created this character, right? Like big boobs and they had tattoos all over. Um, I wish you could give them like piercings. That would have been cool. <laughs> I would have been into that. Uh, <laughs> you know, you got to do it. I guess like part of it playing in a video game, like role playing, you know, I like to role play as something that I'm not sometimes. So anyways, I had like picked up all of these shirts and I kept like finding these shirts on the ground and I would like go to the menu and I'd equip the shirt. And then I'd like exit the menu and I'd like walk past the mirror and like my character like wasn't wearing a shirt. It's like her, her boozer just hanging out and like kind of just like, <laughs> just like sloshing around. And then I'd like go into the menu. I'm like, yeah, my shirt is definitely equipped. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, that's I don't know. <laughs> Dude, nah, that sounds like a bug to me. I think. <laughs> or texturization or texture. Uh. But then I'm like, is, did they just miss, did they, they maybe just leave this bug out so your, your character's just walking around shirtless? I don't know. Somebody cut some corners there on the dev team. <laughs> Actually, I ended up finding a vest that like covered the nipples. Okay. And the, <laughs> the vest was a different like piece of character customization than the shirt. So I could like, I had a shirt and a vest equipped, but it would just show the vest. So that's how I ended up getting around. That's, that's how you had to fix it. Damn, that sounds really buggy. But I mean, that's the only one. But yeah, man, it's 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 really interesting how they they kind of did that whole like nudity thing because like you can if, with your character right like you can go hop in the shower, mm-hmm. and but like you can't. I think it's weird that I don't know. Maybe this is just me, but like you can hop in the shower as, as your character right, and you can. But all you see is like your two hands. Because it's in, like, first-person perspective. So I'm like, why even, like, allow me to hop yeah. in the shower? It's kind of like... That sounds like a copy of GTA. Do they do that in GTA? Yeah, in GTA, you can even sing with your mic. So you can have your mic on and, like, sing in the shower. And it, like, gives you bonuses. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, they, they I wonder if that happened. GTA. I don't know. I mean, I guess I didn't know that you could do that in GTA. So I and guess that must be it. You could also go in first-person in GTA while you're showering. You can go in first-person while showering. But I, I don't know. I thought it was weird that like, cause it like locked you in first person. And I was like, I guess I didn't know that at the time, but my initial thought was, did they like plan on having this be like a third person view to where you could like see your character shower and then decide not to? <laughs> that's kind of my thought. But anyways, that's yeah, cyberpunk. That's, that's cyberpunk. And dude, I just want to commend you real quick. Cause I can tell from like when we started the podcast and now the way you just kind of like talk about it, a, a title has gone so much better. Like, it's just a whole lot more interesting and, like, the points you're bringing, the questions you're bringing up. Great job. I just want to commend you on that. I appreciate that, man. No, I guess it's, sometimes it's easier to talk about something you don't like than <laughs> yeah, something you that's, like. So. Yeah, it's probably, yeah, it's probably like, different for you to, like, yeah, not playing this game. But I felt like you did a really good job of bringing, like, all the, highlighting all the good elements, everything that you needed to talk to on the game. So... Definitely a lot. Well, for thanks, me. man. A lot for me to learn right there. I think it might be hey, the indie and, nook, dude. <laughs> the indie nook. <laughs> it's giving you that like extra practice, and now like you know you're coming like more refined at it. So it might be. Also, check out the indie nook. It's definitely. I don't know. I really enjoy it. I enjoy making it, um, and I think it's fun. But also, I have a PS. I got like the PS4 disc of Cyberpunk. So if you want to check it out, Brandon, just let me know. All right, but yeah, I can pop that into my PS5 to see how that runs. 
See if you like it better than me. <laughs> I'm down for a futuristic GTA, dude. You should give it a try. I would love to see what you thought about it, especially because I just came away so negative on it. I'd love to see what your thoughts were. Definitely. On to the next game, man. I'm actually really excited about this title. So Brandon's bringing up Diablo, man. And I've admittedly, I've never played a Diablo game. Have you played any? This was actually my first title, and it was actually one of those titles where I was like, unsure. I was like, should I buy it? Should I not? And ultimately, what pulled me to it was the fact that... So is this Diablo 4? Correct. Okay. What ultimately pulled me to it was the fact that it was published by Blizzard Entertainment, Mm -hmm. the same people who made World of Warcraft. And I've always been a, a bit of an RPG nut from the moment I started playing video games. I might have mentioned it on the podcast, but I started off like really getting into gaming on my PC on a Cartoon Network game called Fusion Fall. Fusion Fall. <laughs> that RPG was built. Can you like still a- play that game? Not you to distract can. you, man. You still can. can you? There's some simulators where you can like still pull it up. Yeah. I'm gonna have to check that out. <laughs> dude, Fusion Fall. That game was like it had me hooked, dude. I would just wake up and like for 12 hours, I would just like play and then it would be nuts. But, you know, I say that to say that is how I found my way into World of Warcraft was playing that RPG. And then I never knew you played World of Warcraft. I played it for Uh, a bit. You're a freaking nerd, dude. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So then I was like, I was like, dude, I'm just going to try this because a lot of people were telling me like, that's just a cartoon every game. Like, it's not even, like, RPG, RPG, so to say. But it's still got the job done for me. So I checked out World of Warcraft, and I had a great mm-hmm. time. It was super fun. It was even more fun than Fusion Fall, surprisingly enough. And then World of Warcraft was one of those games I just had to put down because it, it would have taken over my whole life. Same thing with League of Legends. It was just yeah. so good that I just, like was addicted to it. So then now when I was like, I had just bought an Xbox, right? I told you this. I bought an Xbox not too long ago. Xbox Series S? Yeah, an Xbox Series S. A bit of an impulse buy, but I'm glad. I'm ready for Starfield. Actually, I got to tell this story, man. (laughs) (laughs) So I kind of, I think we just talked about it on the podcast. I was like, hey, this is the last episode. It's like, hey, have you heard about Starfield? Yeah. And then, like, the next day, I get, like, a text from him. He's like, got it. (laughs) (laughs) I just, like, couldn't believe it, man. Not playing games, dude. I was like, what's it? It's an Xbox exclusive? All right. I started off on the (laughs) Xbox anyway. I'm really an Xbox. How does it feel to log back into the Xbox? It feels great to be back, dude. My gamer score is almost at (laughs) 20,000. You know, it's just... It feels good to get back to my Xbox roots, so to say. But now I'm like, I have an Xbox, I have a PS5. I can't keep doing this. Like, there's going to be another gen. I just got to invest in a PC. I got to do I got to build my PC. That's coming soon. Yeah. Hopefully we can make a video of it and put that on, on the YouTube. I'd love to share that experience with you guys. But I digress. Back to Diablo 4. I think I'm going to do a PC as well, man. I've been thinking about it. I think that after this gen... I think I'm going to, like, set some money aside, build a PC. I mean, I have a Steam Deck, which is pretty much as PC. Yeah. And that's where I plan on playing Starfield. So, I, yeah, I think, I think PC might be the way of the future. It's definitely the way for the nerds. <laughs> like, specific things and actually pay attention to detail and know what frame rates are. You've been gaming for a while. At a certain point, you know, you kind of just 
want to take that leap and get more specific with, with the titles. It makes games a hell. Of, it makes these experiences a hell of a lot more enjoyable. And you know, I'm looking to get into that virtual reality stuff, which is something I was thinking about earlier when we were talking about Cyberpunk. It's like it's really interesting to see like the different platforms that are available to us, and it, it has mm -hmm. a lot to do with like class and society. You know, how some people can experience Minecraft on a VR, and then some people are experiencing it on a Nintendo Switch. You know, or a phone. Or a phone, exactly. Right. It's interesting to see. Yeah, the varying, you know, experiences of the same game. And, yeah. And, yeah. It's the same experience, but just it's a hell of a lot different depending on, you know, what platform. Yeah, that is something interesting to think about. But going back to Diablo 4, dude, this is one hell of a title. It, it reminds me a lot of World of Warcraft. You see a lot of the same elements. It's a regular RPG class. You have five classes you can pick from. You can uh, go Druid, which is, Druid is kind of like a shapeshifter barbarian okay and that's kind of just like a melee class right and they have a bit of like that range between like they can use a little bit of magic skills when they shapeshift but they still are like kind of up close and personal mm -hmm. then from there we have the barbarian class which is like in your face it's just constantly slashing using all types of weapons i think they carry six weapons with them at all times they can carry different weapon classes then we have the rogue Think of the rogue as like a bandit class, uh, thief class. is very like quick on its feet, very lightweight, lots of ranged attacks. I didn't realize there were so many classes. I thought there was only, only like a couple. Was there thief, druid? Yeah, so there's rogue, druid, barbarian. That's three that I'm at so far. And there's mm -hmm. only there's two more. Oh, okay, okay. There's a sorcerer, which is a magician, regular like ranged mm -hmm. attacks, spells, and then you have a necromancer. Which is like necromancer. A, okay. a necromancer is like an undead sorcerer, and they bring up like minions from the dead to help them fight, and that's what I started with because I was like, "That is fucking badass." I mean, I, that sounds sick. Yeah, it was really really fun to run as a necromancer, and that's actually who I was playing recently. Right now, I'm almost level fifty. I completed the campaign on my necromancer. I played the campaign fully through. Nice and. Now I'm trying to complete some of the side quests. I'm trying to level up so I can complete a campaign quest, which will then allow me to unlock another world tier. And the world tier system is very, very interesting. Like, because you can start off as an adventurer, which is world tier one. It's the easiest tier. Super simple. If you just want to experience the story, you can rush right through it and level up like this. But then there's veteran, which is you get 20% extra experience, 20% extra coin. And it's that much harder. And then there's the third one, which I'm trying to unlock right now. It's called Nightmare, which is like super difficult. And there are five tiers. I don't think I'm going to mess with any of the tiers past three. I just would really like a lot of the drops and items that come with playing in that tier. And it's a PvE game mainly, so it's you versus the environment. You're not really fighting other players, although there is a PvP which you can unlock in the later levels of 57. Okay. Can I interrupt you for a sec? I guess my question is, I've never played this game. So I feel like I kind of get, you know, it's obviously it's a class-based RPG. You know, you pick your class based on, you know, the skills. I guess like the whole, I guess, gameplay loop is you're kind of trying to like level up. But I guess I don't get, it's like, I guess maybe you could help like maybe paint a picture for me. What does the actual gameplay look like? And like, what does the art look like? Like, what do you see when you're playing this game? And like, how does it feel? 
Because so, I guess that's kind of what, you know, somebody that's never played one of these. I've actually never even seen a trailer. I don't have any kind of literacy on this. So I guess, what does it even look like? Is it like an isometric view? Yeah. I guess like, is it like first person? Like, what is the art like? It's an isometric view. So you're looking mm-hmm. from top down. And as far as the art, it's very, it reminds me a lot of Skyrim, the world, in the sense of okay. like lots of mountains, lots of caves, dungeons. But for the most part, you spend a lot of time in what looks like hell or kind of like sanctuaries, ritual places. And that's kind of it's a good segue to get into the story. Diablo. So I guess just really quick, I'm looking at some screenshots now. This actually looks really cool. Like this looks really high definition. I guess like the world that it's painting in has a lot of detail to it. It has a lot of detail and the mobs are very, very varied. You can tell they paid a lot of attention to detail to a lot of small things in this game here. So you said PVE. Is it like kind of like wave based? It's player versus environment. So it's just as you're exploring the world and you're moving across and you're going around it, you're going to run into mobs pretty much everywhere outside of the towns. Yeah, so kind of segueing into the characters. So you play as a prisoner. You start off as a prisoner and then you essentially get rooked into this ritual, into this blood ritual where you summon the daughter of hatred. So essentially you summon Satan's daughter. Her name is Lilith. Lilith. Lilith actually has like connections to the Bible, I believe. Lilith is on, in the Bible, and she's, I believe, Lucifer's wife. If I'm not mistaken, it depends on the translation. Mm. But is she the one that's like on the promotional material that has yeah. the um, like the that's, horns? That's Lilith. Yes. Yeah, the, she looks sick. The mother of hatred, and yeah, she's a great villain. You're pretty much chasing her the whole way through. That's what the campaign's built on. You're going through, you're meeting all these characters, you're helping them kind of navigate the world and deal with kind of terrains, so to say. So you can actually fight Diablo, which is like, you can fight the Lord. The devil. The devil. Oh, that's cool. And it's also Uber Lilith, but these are like post-games things that you can do later. So it kind of looks like there's dragons and trolls. Yeah, there's all sorts of demons and dragons and... That's something that I really enjoy about the game is it doesn't feel like certain aspects kind of outweigh others. Like it really does feel really well put together. Even the smallest details are paid attention to. You can tell they really took their time with this title. And you feel it in the gameplay. It feels very smooth. You know, I find myself still wanting to go back, finding time to just do a little side quest. The side quests don't feel pointless. Like they are rather menial, but for the most part, you're getting XP, you're getting coins, and it's leading you in a certain direction, guiding you in the world, having you explore new areas. And something that I like, too, about adventuring in Diablo is it's similar to Elden Ring in the sense of you can see other people's footsteps, kind of what they did. You can actually... Oh, wow, that's really cool. You can play with random people, which you can't do in, in Elden Ring. You're just like, let's say you run into a dungeon... And it just so happens you're in a server where another person went into the same dungeon. You guys can invite each other to a party or you can just like run through the dungeon as you would normally. But this person's there. They're just like in your server playing and you guys can like interact, which is really, really cool. You just see other That's people awesome. going about their gameplay as you are as well. And, you know, they obviously incentivize group play and playing as a party. I was just playing at a party earlier with my barbarian 
and I was getting inward coin. We were fighting different mobs. So the party system seems to be really, really cool. And that's something that I'm, I'm looking forward to exploring, especially as I level up more. But there's just so much to explore. Do you have any like questions, like anything that you're... So I guess I do have like one other perspective, like just outside of, you know, I guess just being on the internet and liking games. <laughs> Is this Xbox exclusive? See, that's what I thought initially. And when I bought my Xbox, I didn't have any games yet. Just waiting for Starfield. I have Halo, which is really fun. But I was like, I was for some reason thought it was the Xbox exclusive. And I was like, I'm just going to try this out. And I'm really glad I did. I've spent so many hours on it already. But it's not. It's a PC game. First and foremost, it's on Steam. Blizzard, you know, they want to support their PC players that brought them this Right. Far. You know, I mean, I feel like, I mean, Microsoft, you know, they sell all of their, you know, I guess they sell all their software, you know, to PC. That's kind of how their entire company, <laughs> you know, works and it was founded. So I think with all Xbox exclusive games, I think they also come to PC. Okay, so, so this is just an Xbox and PC. No, actually, game. no, I was going to get to that. So on PlayStation 5 as well, which I was okay. like, I was a little bit, so I was like, dude, I can just got this in a P5, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna run Starfield. I'm gonna run Diablo on my Xbox. So. Have you thought about getting Game Pass or like trying it out for like a month or two? You know, I did think about it, especially when I was buying my gold subscription. But then again, I don't foresee myself having that much time, especially as I'm starting a new job. I really see myself having like passion, you know, games like, like Diablo. Where I'm like, I need to get back on and like do this mission. And but Game Pass is more if you're listening to this get game pass it's a bang best bang for your buck even for me so, at this point it probably makes normal sense to do so you pass. bought xbox gold yeah i bought i bought a year subscription you know i i did let me google something because i feel like yesterday they announced that they're stopping that service no way <laughs> hold on Nah. <laughs> I mean, Brandon might be the last one that bought Xbox Gold. <laughs> nah, dude, that is crazy. <laughs> yeah, this three days ago, I guess I'm reading Xbox from Game Kutaku. Oh my god! For nearly two decades, Xbox Live Gold. I'm sorry, this is from Kutaku. After nearly two decades, Xbox Live Gold will die on September 14th, which is. About a month and a half away. Dude, they better pass is, <laughs> is Xbox Game Pass Core, the cheapest version of Game Pass service. That'll allow gamers to play online together, as well as offer a curated selection of games to play. So, I guess that means Games with Gold is going away, man. I wonder if it'll just give it to you. I feel like maybe on September 14th, like you'll just have access to these whatever whatever many titles but brandon's the sucker man he got xbox gold they got me dude they got me <laughs> god damn i guess the only thing i have left to say on diablo is i had somebody you know at my office i've talked to them about games you know a little bit before and they were like yeah i just got an xbox series x i'm so stoked for diablo and <laughs> they've been playing it and that's like i'm like i didn't i mean i guess like i talked to you about games like once or twice i'm like i guess I guess you're in the Halo-verse, or I'm sorry, not the Halo. The Diablo-verse. Diablo. No, dude, I'm in. The Diablo-verse, they're a huge dude. Diablo fan. I'm in. I'm in the subreddit. I'm watching YouTube videos. And I've been reading a lot of reviews, too. Like, I, I, I love reading comments and videos and just seeing what the consensus is on Twitter. A lot of people mm -hmm. dislike Diablo, dude. They have a 
diehard fan base. Like the Diablo fan base goes mm-hmm. way back. Like they have a whole speedrun community. It's really intense. And a lot of people are unhappy with this one. And I'm playing this one. Maybe my perspective is a bit skewed because I'm not. Because you've never you've never played one. I haven't played Diablo three or two. I guess, what are they seeing? How is this different than any of the other? Devils? I'm seeing a lot of people are saying the progression is a bit off. It's not It's not what they're used to, like the level progression. Is it easier or more complicated? They're saying it's a bit more convoluted. It's confusing. That's what I've seen that a lot of people are complaining about. A lot of people are complaining about the weapons that you can have access to. And then there's always like this, the skeptics who are like, it's a PvE RPG and why are people playing it? Like, it's not that fun. Or like the, the you know, the P- <laughs> PvP RPGers who, who don't see the value in like a PvE. Yeah, I mean, I think that I really enjoy PvE games, especially like cooperative PvE. I think I'm drawn to those more than like a competitive PvP. I yes. mean, me personally, you know, I guess now that I, you know, I have limited time to devote to something, like there's limited games that I can play I think that just the PVE is just a lot more fun. I think it's a lot more inviting. I think it's a lot more yeah. accessible. So I agree. I personally, I mean, you just saying that kind of makes me interested. And I guess looking at the screenshots, like that looks fun too. Dude, you got to hop on a stream so I can watch you play. No, I do. And I've been thinking about streaming because I've just played so much of it that I can become a Diablo 4 streamer. I feel comfortable showing my face and just playing this game. Because it's... I mean, it's you don't bad. have to show your face, man. That's true. But I want to start streaming like that. Like, I've sort of been... Oh, yeah? Netflix for me. Just, yeah, I've been, like... Or my uncle tells me all the time. Like, it would... People would be more into it if they saw them. But. Yeah. Yeah, they might be. Yeah, dude. I mean, I would absolutely watch it. So, if you want to stream some of that... You know, I'll let you know if I'm streaming it. It's, it's definitely something I'm thinking about. But, I'll yeah. Hop on thank and you, watch thank it. you for letting me, like just chat about this game dude there's so much it definitely wasn't as like well put together as your synopsis dude i'm i feel like i distracted you too but yeah i'm really (laughs) interested in this so you're playing as a necromancer and a barbarian yeah i have two i have two builds so after i completed the campaign i thought i was the necromancer you went back in as a bar i went because i wanted a barb because i i have kind of oh barb did you hear that? He's, he's, getting, he's using the acronyms. <laughs> yeah, because with, with, with the necromancer, I'm so used to just like summoning a minion and like, I've gotten too cheesy. It's kind of boring. Like I'm too cheesy. I like, okay. I'll build You're this. just too good. I wouldn't say I'm too good. I figured out a good system with the necromancer and I want to be, I want to try a different perspective. Right, and just be like running gun. Just be so. Slashing. I guess does it change the gameplay? Like if you're it if you play as a necromancer, you're like summoning monsters. Whereas like with the barbarian, are you like actually getting up more yeah, up close and, and personal? And I love and, this about the barbarian. He has this ability called the whirlwind slash. It's actually one of the main barb builds. There's a whirlwind barb, and basically it just has he has like an axe or a club, and he spins in a circle, and that's one of the like main moves that this barb build has. And I just think it looks so funny. And it plays really well. Like, I'm just absolutely melting through things. And I'm loving it. I'm having a great experience with the Necromancer, with the Barb. I also tried a bit of the Sorcerer. It was just okay. a, bit, it was a bit too similar to the Necromancer for me. Maybe later on. I do see myself wanting to explore every class and just seeing what's for me. Just try them out? Yeah. But Sorcerer will probably be the last one because it's just so similar to Necromancer at this point. Gotcha. 
I guess before we move on, you did, I think you told me off air that they're doing like a season pass or something that's starting soon. Could you talk there about is. that? And thank you so much for bringing that up. It was a really interesting system because I, I mean, obviously I've run into seasons before. It seems like all these famous titles. Yeah, everything's got a season it's, now. It's, like, it's got a season now, even 2K, which is it's cool. But this doesn't quite work like that. It's more so they want everyone to have a unified experience because it is a PvE and a PvP game. So whenever there's the start of the season, which was today, July 20th, it goes all the way up until October 17th. Okay. Yeah, you have until that time to play with this build. And once that time period ends, it goes back to the eternal realm. Right now we're in a season realm. So my necromancer that I've been playing with, I couldn't play with him for this season. Right, I had to stay on the eternal realm. Oh, because you started it before the July twentieth. So my barb, oh. which I had already been experimenting a little, and I knew I wanted to make a barb, I was like, "Fuck it! Like this is a great opportunity to just make my barb build." So you're playing the season, the season pass. You had to start a new class, create a new character, pretty much. Yes, but let me tell you yeah. why I'm still on the eternal realm. So I'm playing the seasonal realm. I'm already a level ten because I'm playing through dungeons with people online. You rank up a lot more. You rank up quicker that way. But and it's out of 50. It's out of 50. You can actually go up to like 70 and keep progressing. But really, like the Paragon levels, so to say, that's what they call it. It's 50 to 70. Blake's laughing. I'm sorry. I started <laughs> laughing when you said Paragon. Paragon levels. That got me for some reason. Because <laughs> you can tell I'm getting really I apologize. You can tell I'm yeah, no, I can see. I can hear the passion, man. And yeah, so I'm still playing my Eternal Necromancer because I'm trying to get this difficulty, this third world tier, the nightmare world tier. I tried to play the quest that gives you it. If you complete the quest, you mm. get the mode. And I got absolutely shredded. Like, it's just, mm. it was disheartening. So I need to, like, play more of the side quest, fill out some more, and get better equipment, and then maybe tackle it again so I can unlock that world tier so that my barb for this season can get better unlocks more experience, quicker, more coins. A bit of a balance right now. That's kind of where I'm at. Gotcha. Oh, that's awesome, man. I'm really happy that you tried this out <laughs> and that it's, yeah. it's working for you. Because, I mean, so often, you know, I mean, you try a new game out and it just doesn't hit. It's, like, honestly, like, 7 out of 10 at this point for me. Like, I get a new game. Like, Need for Speed Unbound. I mean, we can still talk about it, but I honestly do. Oh. I haven't touched it. So I guess, oh, oh no, Brandon gave the thumbs down. I guess just really quick, you know, about the Sticky Buttons podcast, you know, we do check out other games that we don't bring to the show. And I guess kind of just, it's kind of just like our rule of thumb, you know, our gut check is if we don't like it or we don't have anything positive to say, we generally don't bring it to the show. I mean, obviously cyberpunk is an exception just because, I mean, it is really interesting to talk about. And, no, for sure. and I mean, it is just such a huge game. You know, I think having that perspective is valuable. Yeah, I mean, it's a bit rare that you'll try something out that we have no experience at and just like kind of just dip our toes in and just say, oh, you know, this actually really worked. So I'm really happy that this is hitting for you, man. That's really awesome. Thank you, dude. I'm happy too. I'm loving it. I recommend it. I know you'd have a good time, but also any RPG lovers, you're going you're gonna to have a good time for sure. Yeah, now that I saw like what the game looks like, there's like a, a part of me that's like, do I want to scratch that itch, man? Do I want to? <laughs> yeah. Do I want to fuck around and spend seventy dollars tonight? I'm I'm thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess before we end it up, I feel like we should just do a, maybe a little like Zelda Tears of the Kingdom update, man. For have, sure. Have you made any further progress? I guess where are you at in the game, dude? I haven't been playing. I've, too much. I've been playing it in the background. 
I haven't been playing it too much, dude. Honestly, Tears of the Kingdom. And I've come to that consensus of, like, I'm not a huge Zelda player because I've learned to be okay with that because I'm newer to the franchise, right? Like, I'm just now getting into it. The only thing I know about Zelda prior is just playing with Link and Super Smash Bros. or Zelda. Mm-hmm. And so now that I'm, like, getting into these titles, they really are, like, a different kind of game in a sense of, like, I've never played Pillied anything quite like it. Like, Tears of the Kingdom, there are whole perpetual motion machines that people are building. It has, like, this Minecraft-esque vibe that definitely keeps me intrigued, but is also kind of, like, a bit of a, a barrier of entry, if you will, because if you don't have any idea what you're doing, you're not going to be able to build all these cool and wacky contraptions that make the game that much more enjoyable or, or smooth, for lack of a better word. Yeah, absolutely, man. I feel the same way. You know me, man. I love mechs. I love yeah. mech shit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I want to make a mech. Yeah. But I have like, I just don't have the stuff in Tears of the Kingdom yet. Like even if I made a mech, let's just say even if I made it, let's say I had all the parts, which I don't have all the parts that I'd want to use and I could make a mech. My battery is just the base battery. So like it would only be able to yeah, take like two it steps. Would run for like this. Yeah, yeah. I can hardly make a hot air balloon and yeah, exactly. <laughs> at the moment. <laughs> so you get it. That's exactly how I feel. But I know what I can be making and it like, I'm just like, fuck, why am I not good at this game? You know, I think what it is is you really have to put the time into it. And I think that it's kind of like a tragedy of this game. You know, they, they made this like incredible sandbox, but it's like you have to like put in a hundred hours to even get to that point. And I think that that is, I mean, like I played over 30 hours of this game and I still don't have all of the, I guess like the base abilities. I guess I don't really know what they're called. There's like a wheel and it's like. Yeah, me too. I don't have all of them unlocked yet. I don't have them all. So I, I'm like, how do I even get these? And, you know, I think that it's really cool because like I am having a totally unique experience. Like nobody right. has done what I have done in this video game, which is really awesome. Right. But, and then, you know, it leads to like me having some like truly epic moments that I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't wait to talk about this. But it's also like, you know, it is kind of like disheartening where it's like, I have no idea where to go. But, you know, I think that that's kind of the fun of it. I mean, for me specifically, sure. I'm being very patient with myself with it. Like I'm, I'm giving myself a lot of like leeway. Like it's like, yeah, I may not know where to go or what to do, but every time I hop on, I have a good time. So I'm not like putting anything on myself. Like when I hop on the game, you know what I mean? Like there's no expectations. Like I just kind of go in to have a good time. And I'm kind of coming at this kind of like the opposite perspective from you where I'm never really, before Breath of the Wild, I had never played a Zelda game. And I guess I played a little bit of like the Wii one, like the Twilight Princess, but I was kind of like trying to help my sister play it. I mean, I don't think either of us finished that. Anyways, I'm new to the Zelda franchise too. And I've gone back and I've, I've played some of the older ones. I've kind of had like the opposite where I'm like, now I'm really interested in Zelda. And and I think what's interesting is they're totally different. Breath of the Wild and Tears of the Kingdom are absolutely nothing like any of the games that came before in the series. Like this totally reinvented the series and, you know, kind of reinvented what an open world game could be. So maybe you should check out some of the older ones that are on like the Nintendo Switch Online. Perhaps it might get me more into the lore and the story of it all. Yeah. And I feel like that's the issue that I'm running into is like, I'm super into the story. I want to progress mm-hmm. more. I want to find out, you know, what's going on next. And 
I'm getting lost almost everywhere. And it's designed to do that. Yeah, it really is designed to distract you and give you ways to interact with everything. Like if you walk over a hill, there's going to be something to do there. And I just think that that's really cool. Actually, I watched a video about how they like designed it recently. And I think that you might find this interesting, Brandon. And after you play the game, like after you know this and then you kind of play the game, you, you kind of see it in action. And what they did is they made triangles. So basically, if you were just like plop down anywhere on the map, you're surrounded by triangles. Like the mountains in the background are triangles. The hill right around the corner is a triangle. And the way that that works is because the triangles, you know, they come to a point. If you're looking at one triangle, odds are you can see a couple triangles behind you too. Or behind the one triangle, because the triangle, you know, it comes to a point and, you know, it doesn't block the other triangles. But the way that they're able to like load it in and like kind of have the game run is that because it's a triangle, they know that you're not going to be able to see the triangles behind the triangle you're behind because the triangle is wider at the base. Right. So in order for you to get around the triangle, you have to walk around the base of the triangle. And as you're doing that, it'll load the other triangles. Wow. That's really interesting. That sounds like architecture almost like, yeah, it really is like design that in the game, so to say. And that's engineering creativity. That's what it means to be human problem solving like that. That's awesome. Yeah, that's really cool. I'm going to try and put the link to that video in the description. I thought that was really interesting to watch, but yeah, very cool. I mean, I'm having a good time with it. I'm, I haven't really progressed much further since we last talked. I've made it closer down the storyline of like, I went to like Gerudo village, which is the village in the desert. Yeah. That's where I'm at right now. I'm like progressing through that storyline. And I think if I wanted to actually, I I might play this tonight. (laughs) I think I could go do the next temple. I think, I guess I'm not sure, but I think, but yeah, I guess maybe, you know, until we are done playing it or done wanting to talk about it, maybe we'll just bring it up at the end of each episode, I guess, from here on out. I like that. It's going to keep me back on the Tears of the Kingdom grind. Yeah, you should get back into it and just kind of go in with no expectations. Just let the wind take you, man. Yeah. Because there, I guess what I've found when I play, because obviously I want to do these like really cool things too, but I mean, I'm just not at that scale yet. But what I've really found a lot of enjoyment in is I'll like get kind of caught up in these like smaller puzzles and I'm like just getting caught in these puzzles and like, how do I solve this? And then like, I can see how the game, like, like there's like a very clear way that, you know, maybe it's like one of the easiest ways to solve it, or there's maybe a a quote unquote intended way to solve it. And then I'll find myself like, can I do this a different way? Like, can I try and solve this in a totally different way using maybe a different set of tools? And like, for me, like just feeling clever in solving those kind of puzzles. Like it feels like on a lot of games, like where you move a box from one side of the room to the other, they made the puzzle. But in this game, it's like, we didn't make a puzzle. We just made a question and it's up to you to find the answer with the mechanics that we invented or the mechanics that we gave you. Yeah, so I've been having fun in the small moments. So you might have fun in that too if you try and play it that way. No, it's definitely a good way to look at it. Thanks for sharing that. Like I gotta just open up my, my horizons. Think about it differently.
Well, I guess before we end it up, I'm going to plug the Indie Nook one more time. <laughs> the next episode that's going to come out shortly after the release of this, I'm going to talk about Citizen Sleeper, the DLC, my final thoughts on the Citizen Sleeper DLC. And I went and saw Nausicaa, Valley of the Wind. So I'm going to talk about that as well. And then one other thing that I can't remember off the top of my head, I'm going to talk about that too. So it's going to be like a three-part quick little episode. Like so check that out episode. check that out y'all indie nook <laughs> all right i guess that's all i really had do you have anything else not at the moment all right well thank you so much for listening to this episode of the sticky buttons podcast if you'd like to support us you know follow us on tiktok youtube instagram and if you want to be a real awesome supporter you can support us on patreon Yep. <laughs> Support us on Patreon and share with a friend. Yes. Have a great one. Peace in the streets, y'all.